Hey guys, it's Adam. Today is Friday, March 13th, 2020, and this is a special Coronas bonus episode of The Ass. Uh, I am home from work today, as uh, so many of you are, and so I just decided to try something different. I am at home, alone, uh, with my Snowball Blue microphone, which I haven't used in years. Uh, and uh, I'm holding this show together with scotch tape and glue and paper clips. I'm MacGyvering this shit. Uh, I don't have Ryan. I don't have JB. But I do have this. Yes, I downloaded a Service Bell app that sounds kind of like the Shade Bell. So I'll be able to use that to punctuate uh, what I'm saying, although I won't be able to do much else in the way of sound effects. Um, I hope that this sound is good and that it's picking me up. Um... Yeah, I uh, have a lot of thoughts. I have a lot of feelings. This is a crazy fucking time. Um, I posted something on Facebook yesterday that just kind of expressed... Because, look, when I'm freaking out about stuff, it helps me to reassure other people. You know, by reassuring other people, I'm reassuring myself too. So I posted this thing about 9-11, which is always an uplifting topic, but I wanted to, um, I wanted to remind those of us who lived through 9-11 and give perspective to, to those people who didn't because they're too young to have, either they weren't alive or they just don't remember it. But I wanted to give some perspective because what I've been feeling for the past 48 hours, um, felt like a brand new thing. It was like, oh my God, I've never felt this way before. The world is ending. Shit's blowing up. We're all going to die. This is crazy. Like there's massive system failure. Um, and then I realized, oh wait, I have felt this way before. I have felt exactly this way before. And it was after 9-11. It was on 9-11 and it was in the weeks and months that followed. And the fact that I couldn't remember that is a testament to the point I was trying to make, which is that as a species, human beings are unbelievably resilient. Like we, we adapt to shit and we get over shit. And I don't mean to minimize the devastation of 9-11, particularly for those who lost people either in the towers or the Pentagon or in Shanksville on that plane or people who lost first responders that were in their family or people you know, families of, of veterans who went 
to war in Afghanistan and Iraq, which had nothing, Iraq had nothing to do with 9-11, but we still went to war with them for some reason. And those wars dragged on for decades. In the case of Afghanistan, it's still going on. So if you're a military family, I don't speak for you, right? And if you're a veteran, I certainly don't speak for you. But for, for most of us, for the general public, after all of the terror and the shock and the anguish that 9-11 caused, we, we sort of found a way to get on with our lives. And America and the world slowly got back to normal, although it was a new normal, but it, it felt normal again, you know? Um, and I was remembering that it wasn't just the attacks, the, the, the planes that flew into buildings. It was also, do you remember this? Like a couple weeks later, people started getting fucking anthrax letters in the mail. That was equally terrifying because it could happen to any of us. No one knew when the next anthrax letter was coming or where it would arrive. And it didn't matter if it was addressed to you. If you worked in a building that received an anthrax letter, you were panicked. If, if the anthrax letter came from a post office that also delivered your mail, you were panicked. Like we were losing our shit. We were afraid to open our mail. We were afraid to touch our mail. I remember that clearly now. And now that seems ridiculous. Like now who would be afraid of like opening their mailbox and taking out a letter? But it's just um, a testament to how much we can adapt to things and also how much, uh, to what extent we can heal after there are major disruptions to our local, state, national, and global world, you know, shit can happen and it can be crazy. And this is crazy. I'm not trying to minimize what's going on right now. It is terrifying. It's like a Stephen King novel, you know? And um, my personal belief is that like, we're all going to get infected one way or the other. Um, but that most of us won't get very sick or sick at all. I think it's going to be similar to the flu which is not to say that this isn't more severe than the flu. It, it definitely is, and it seems to be more contagious and more deadly, but not for everyone. Like, some people are, are fine, and they, they get a, a, a fever and a sore throat, or they cough, and then they get better in a couple days. And so I'm hoping, and I do believe that that's what it's going to be like for most of us, but it's the systemic um, shutdown that I think is going to have bigger implications. Um, as I talk to you guys, Trump just finished his, or I guess it's still going on, his Rose Garden press conference with um, with that asshole Pence and all of these business leaders behind him. And, you know, anytime Trump speaks, he just sounds like a complete moron. And, you know, half of what he says is just bragging about himself and, and how tremendous our response has been. And, you know, it's just like jerking himself off. And then Pence gets up there and blows him. I mean, literally... If you if you watch that press conference, it's embarrassing the way Pence goes down on, on this despicable cunt. I'm sorry, but I'm going to use that word because he is one. Um, but you know what? The stock market rallied. The stock market liked what it heard. And um, at this moment is up like 20% from where it was. And it was already a day where, where stocks had rallied. So we've already made up like half of our losses over that we've experienced over the past couple of weeks. You know, I, I, it's, that's, no, that's not to say like Trump did a good job. I don't think Trump ever does a good job, but it's, it shows you how resilient 
Americans are, and not just Americans, I don't want this to be like a rah-rah America thing, human beings are resilient. We experience trauma both on an individual level and on a, um, and as a, you know, as a species, as a group, we experience, we all experience trauma and, and most of us figure out a way to get over it and to heal and to move on. It really is remarkable and inspiring. So I just kind of want everyone to keep that spirit as much as they can, as scary as it is right now. And the scariest part for me is the uncertainty. I fucking hate uncertainty. I need to know what's going to happen. You know, like I'm, I don't mean to use this word because it's not a diagnosis for me and I don't want to appropriate someone else's condition, but I'm a little bit autistic in the sense that I need a routine. I need to eat the same thing for breakfast every day, wake up at the same time, you know, go to the same gym. I, I eat the same food for breakfast, lunch, and dinner almost every single day of my life with very little variation. That's just how I like it. So when shit blows up and like suddenly you don't know if you're going to be able to maintain your routine, that is like this, that's the hardest part for me. That's scarier to me than, than getting sick, than the thought of getting sick. But um, also, I don't know if I've mentioned this on the last, uh, we, you know, we did two episodes that um, one of them with Zach Zimmerman, you subscribers to DNR Studios have already heard probably. The rest of you, it'll be released tomorrow, Saturday uh, at 11 a.m. Eastern. That's Saturday the 14th. And then also tomorrow at 11 a.m. Eastern, subscribers will get to hear the one with Philip Markle. These are both hilarious gay comedians, and we recorded them um, a week ago. So before like the shit really hit the fan, we had both of them in studio. Um, but anyway, what I was going to say was, um, if you are on HIV meds or you're on PrEP, you may, may have a natural defense against the coronavirus. Um, they're experimenting with antiretroviral therapy in people who have uh, who've contracted COVID-19. So who knows? It could be that the only people left on Earth are the sluttiest gay barebackers. Um, I don't want that to happen because I don't want to lose, you know, my family and all my straight friends and women and, you know, non-slutty gay people that I like. Um, but it would be ironic if, uh, you know, those of us who are uh, from the dregs of Sodom and Gomorrah are, are the only ones left. Anyway, let's uh, let's all pray that doesn't happen. So, yeah, wow, I've been talking for 11 minutes. All right, so I said that, and then I also just wanted to, hold on, let me grab something to drink. Be right back. It's so professional, I know. Oh, by the way, I started smoking pot again. Uh, I'm not stoned right now. I haven't smoked today. But if you listen to the show, you know that I always say like, oh, I used to, I used to, now I don't. And I always kind of mock Ryan and JB for being such big stoners. And the truth is like, weed is not good for me. It makes me stupid, lazy, hungry, horny. It just like feeds all my appetites and not in a good way. It it doesn't quench my appetites. It makes me hungrier for everything. And I don't need that in my life. But I figured... Um, if I'm going to be stuck at home for an indefinite amount of time, and particularly because I'm single, it's just me and my dog, I'm going to need something to entertain me. And there really is nothing more entertaining for me than, you know, doing a bong hit and watching a really silly movie or TV show. Um, so I, I plan to stop 
and re return to my marijuana sobriety <laughs> once this crisis is over. But for now, I'm smoking. And um, I may actually do a bong hit before the end of this podcast. We'll see. I'm, I'm afraid to, to do it. Like, I'm afraid to talk to you guys stoned because I know what a demented idiot I sound like when I'm stoned. I really don't communicate well. And um, I don't know if I want you to see that side of me. I don't think it'll be funny. I think it'll just be disturbing. But we'll see. We'll play it by ear. Anywho, so what I was, uh, the reason I brought that up is so last night uh, I came home from work. It may be the last day I go to work for a while. They haven't really told us. But um, I, I was going to take today off anyway because I was supposed to go on a court. Why is this beeping? Sorry. I was supposed to go on a chorus retreat that got canceled because our concerts got canceled because of coronavirus. Anyway, so I was home with nothing to do yesterday when I got back and I did a bong hit. And first I watched the Kathy Griffin documentary slash comedy special. It's called A Hell of a Story and it's on Amazon Prime. And then I watched um, Pete Davidson's comedy special on Netflix. And I have a lot of things to say about both. So let's start with Kathy. You guys, uh, if you're longtime listeners of The Ass, or even if you just heard that um, Lost Ass that we, uh, that we sent out a, a little while ago, about a month ago, I had very strong feelings about the whole Kathy Griffin Trump mask thing when it first broke in 2016? I think it was 20, 2017. I love and admire Kathy Griffin. I always have. She's, she was actually an early inspiration for me in stand-up because... Um, you know, I don't know if you guys know this, but Kathy Griffin doesn't write out her jokes. She's one of the only comedians I've ever heard of. She doesn't prepare in advance, like specific lines that she's going to say. I, when I go out on stage, I have like a script that I have memorized and I may change it a little bit when I'm on stage, depending on what I'm feeling and how the crowd is reacting. But like in my head, I'm reading from a script and then just making it look spontaneous if I can. Kathy writes down a bunch of topics. She'll write like 20 topics down on a pad and then she'll just go on stage and speak extemporaneously about those topics. And it's, a lot of it's genius. It does, like not every joke lands perfectly, but man, like the vast majority of them do. And she's such a great performer. She knows what to do with her face, with her body. She's just such a pro. And I love that she's outrageous. I love that she's a truth teller, um, all of it. But when she held up the bloody Trump mask and became, you know, the most hated woman in the world and persona non grata at CNN and was fired from the New Year's Eve hosting gig with Anderson and Andy Cohen disowned her and, you know, all that shit happened. And of course, which is what the special is about, Trump and his people, his henchmen, really targeted her and tried to not only make her life as unpleasant as possible, but um, tried, and I, you know, I didn't know any of this until I watched the special. She claims that they, quite seriously, were doing everything they could to prepare to to um, to charge her with conspiracy to assassinate the president of the United States. Like the Justice Department was calling her and her lawyer every day for months, and she had to go testify under oath. And like it's shameful what happened to her. Um, and as you all know. Nobody hates Trump more than I do. Like, I just called him a cunt. I hate him. I think he's one of the worst human beings who's ever lived. I think he's 
the destruction um, that he has done to our way of life, our democracy, our all of our federal agencies, um, everything, everything he's touched has turned to shit. And I don't know that we'll recover from him in my lifetime. I think it will take generations to undo the damage if, if, the, if, if they're ever undone. But I think Kathy made a mistake when she held up the the bloody Trump mask, or as she is, you know, as she says 10 or 15 times during the special, it was a mask, it was a rubber mask with ketchup on it. Like she says that over and over again. And I get that, Kathy, like no reasonable person thought you were holding up an actual severed head, but symbolically what she was doing to, for me, you don't have to agree with this, for me was suggesting that the President of the United States deserved to be brutally murdered. That she was for that, that she supported that, that she wanted that. And I don't believe that Kathy Griffin was ever any personal threat to the president. Like, obviously, Kathy Griffin's not completely insane. She's not a violent person. She's not going to, like, show up at the White House with a, with a machete and, and try to cut Trump's head off. But the reason why any threats against the president are taken so seriously and why they're just wrong is because there are a lot of really crazy, dangerous people out there. And we don't want to inspire them, right? We don't want to give them any ideas. John Hinckley was inspired to kill uh, President Reagan, to try and kill President Reagan, by the movie Taxi Driver. It doesn't take much to inspire someone who's already mentally ill or just a, a sane sociopath who's pre predisposed to violence anyway. It, it doesn't take a lot. So we don't condone that in our society. We, we're a nation of laws, and no matter how much we believe in free speech, and I believe in it as much as anyone, as much as Kathy Griffin does, um, there are certain things that uh, transcend the First Amendment because they are dangerous. For instance, you cannot yell fire in a crowded theater. You can't. If you yell fire in a crowded theater when there's no fire and cause a panic and people get trampled and injured, you are uh, you can be prosecuted criminally for that as well as face lawsuits from anyone who got hurt. That's not protected speech. You can't um, say something about someone that is damaging to their reputation and that you know to be untrue. That is not protected speech. There's all kinds of speech that isn't protected. One of them is threatening speech and particularly threatening public officials, and in particular the President of the United States, who is the most threatened person, I, would, I, I believe this is a true statement, the most regularly threatened person in the world. No matter who's president, that person receives more death threats than any single person on Earth on a regular basis. And the FBI and law enforcement have to investigate every single one of those threats thoroughly. They have to. And that's why presidents get Secret Service protection, as do their families, for the rest of their lives. Long after they retire, they still get Secret Service protection. Because, as I've said, there's a lot of nuts out there. Alexa just thought when I was talking to her when I said, as I said, Alexa, shut the fuck up. I'm not talking to you. So I'd rather not answer that. Oh, good. Shut up. Where's my shade bell? See, I don't have it ready when it's virtual. Okay. So... Kathy fucked up, and as much as I love Kathy, and I really do love this special because she's so vulnerable, 
she's re she really puts everything on the table and she shows herself at her most frail. There are moments in the movie where she looks dangerously thin. Dangerously so. I mean, I'm just like, I wonder about the people around her, like her boyfriend Randy, who's also in the documentary and who's adorable and charming. Like, I wonder, like, were they saying to her, you have to eat something? She talks about not sleeping for days on end during this time, but she doesn't talk about whether or not she's eating. She looks like a skeleton. Um, Thankfully, by the very end, when we get to see her last show of, of that tour, she looks so much healthier and more like herself. But, you know, she shows herself sobbing on camera, having all kinds of breakdowns, dealing with this, the stress that she was under during this time period. And you do, I do feel sympathy, of course. I feel sympathy for anyone who's suffering, and especially someone who, you know, Yes, she made a mistake, but she didn't do a mis uh, She didn't make a mistake that uh, should have resulted in her receiving death threats, like hundreds of them every day for months. Credible, serious death threats, and being harassed everywhere she went, and being detained at every airport she landed in, being put on the no-fly list. She talks about all of this in detail in the documentary, and it's it's shocking what she went through, and it. In some ways, it, it reminds me of what the Dixie Chicks did and what they went through. Although, again, let's remember that all Natalie Maines said was that she was ashamed to be from Texas because that's where President George W. Bush was from. That's a lot different than holding up a fake blood-soaked head. You guys can see the difference, right? One of those things is, like, simply an exercise of free speech and should never have been met with the um, the repercussions with which the Dixie Chicks were met. God, that was a well-constructed sentence, if I must say so myself. Um, but anyway, but, in, but yeah, I mean, there's a lot of really hateful, violent, angry people out there, and most of them support Donald Trump. So uh, when you piss off them, when you piss off that crowd, you're just, it's open season on you. So all of this is to say, Watch the Kathy Griffin documentary slash comedy special. The first half's a documentary. The second half's really just the show that she toured with all through uh, the world before she finally was like allowed back in the United States and given a venue at which she could perform. Um, I recommend it. If you happen to be a pot smoker, all the better. Oh, sorry, I have to take pauses to sip. It's hard to do this by myself with no Ryan and no JB because like I have to do all the talking. Whereas normally, I only do 90% of the talking. All right. On to the um, Pete Davidson special. I hope I didn't get his name wrong earlier. I think I may have called him Tommy Davidson, who's a different comedian altogether. Pete Davidson from Saturday Night Live. Um, I had never really watched any of Pete's stand-up. And I have said before, definitely on Facebook, maybe on the show that I find Pete disapp disappointing on SNL. Not because he doesn't have talent. I think he has tremendous talent. Um, I find him disappointing because most of the time when I watch him on that show, on the rare times that he's in a sketch or he's on the news, I feel like he's being lazy. I feel like he's not working up to his potential and he's not committing. He, everything he does is it feels very 
slight and very half-assed. And I get that part of that is like his brand and also his generation. Like I'm of a different generation. We got on stage, comedians my age and older, and we worked our motherfucking asses off. We tried to wring the audience for every laugh we could get. And that's not how stand-up is nowadays. Now, when you're a young stand-up, you know, you can be very still and very deadpan and subtle. And apparently this is what millennial audiences love. My nephews love Pete Davidson. They think he's a genius. And they're like, you know, one's in seventh grade and one's a junior in high school. So maybe this is just like, I'm too old and I'm a cranky old man. And, you know, in my day, we worked hard for the last... But um, but I'm glad I watched this special because I felt like, um, first of all, I laughed very hard through some of it. Not all of it, but some of it was really incredibly funny. Um, but also, I really gained an appreciation for w at least what he's capable of. There are still moments in the special where I'm like, God damn it, you just threw away that punchline. Like... I don't know if it's fear and insecurity or, again, just like he's like a stoned, lazy person. But he'll he'll set up a joke. It'll be set up really well. And then he gets to the punchline and it's just like a quick throwaway line. And before the audience can even get what he just said, he's on to the next thing. And I'm like, no. Like, let that sink in and, and, and make that bigger. And, I'm you know, I'm coaching him from my sofa. Meanwhile, I'm like not famous and have never had one-tenth of his success, but somehow I'm arrogant enough to think that I have something important to say to Pete Davidson. So, um, but I'll tell you what's great in the special. He's incredibly honest. Like Kathy Griffin, he just says shit regardless of the repercussions. So he, um, my, the best part to me, the highlight, is when he talks about his relationship with Ariana Grande. And specifically, um, her telling everyone that he had a big dick after they broke up, or right before they broke up. I'm not going to ruin it for you. Just look forward to that. It's funny. It's very real. And um, and I love that he's talking about real stuff that happened to him, even if it involves Ariana Grande. Um, also, he, he opens the special with this story about Louis C.K. that is so funny and so satisfying. And Basically, overall, I want to say this about him and about the special. There are moments in the special where he really goes for it. He puts on a different voice or he does something physical or his energy level just like goes up. And at those moments, he's brilliant. So I know Pete Davidson will never hear this. He doesn't know me. He doesn't listen to podcasts. He's not on the internet. Talks about that. But like if anyone knows Pete Davidson <laughs> and you're listening... Uh, tell him to just keep going for it because I think that he, like, obviously he has something or he wouldn't be having all this success and he wouldn't have been on Saturday Night Live for the past five years and they wouldn't keep renewing his contract, which is another thing he talks about. Um, but, like, I want more from him because at his, ooh, my microphone just collapsed into me, because at his best, he's really fucking good. And I recommend the special. Um, again, I was just thinking about you guys and thinking about all this time you're going to be um, home, some of you without even company, and uh, needing something to watch and take your mind off things and, uh, and pass the time. And that's another reason why I'm doing this podcast.
All right, I've talked for almost 30 minutes now, and I think it feels long enough to me. I don't really have much else to say to you at this moment. Oh, you want to hear the bong hit? Let's see. Let me see if I can pause this. I don't think I can. I think if I stop it, it's just going to, um, yeah, it's just going to end the recording. So maybe we'll do the bong hit next time when I'm set up for it. I, the bong is across the room. It's not loaded. But um, thank you for listening. This is a time when I would really, really love to hear from you guys. Please, if you listen to this and you enjoyed it or you think I should be doing it differently somehow, whatever you want to say to me, just email me at adam at adamsank.com um, or you can just hit me up on Facebook uh, or Insta at Adam Sank uh, on Twitter and Insta, the Adam Sank Show Facebook page. You guys know what to do. I, I love you all. I appreciate you so much. I appreciate you listening and your feedback and your support. And um, take care of yourselves. Do everything they're telling you to do. Avoid big crowds. Stay home if you can. Wash your hands constantly. Wipe down your surfaces. All that good stuff. I don't have to tell you. Stay healthy. We need you in this world. And um, I will talk to you guys soon. Oh, and remember that tomorrow there are there is a brand new episode. Whether you're a DNR subscriber or whether you listen for free, there is a brand new episode tomorrow at 11 a.m. Eastern. A full hour long with... JB and Ryan and a guest and all that good stuff. So listen to that and uh, keep leaving me those ratings and reviews and take care, guys. Bye for now.